Hey, Chrissy here. I am a landscape architect and the owner of Kismet Design. I am a very process-driven designer, and I love sharing what I do and how I do it with anyone who's interested. Reaching your true potential and achieving your own personal goals will not happen by chance. You have to set your intentions, make a plan, and do the work. Thank you for joining me to nerd out on design. Don't forget to subscribe and to share too. Let's create something great together. Today's episode comes from another topic suggestion by a listener. I said it before and I will say it again. I love feedback and I love suggestions. Thank you to Sarah from Green Thumb Sam for the suggestion. And as a spoiler to the rest of you, Sarah and I have a meeting scheduled later this month to get together for her to join me on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So stay tuned. I have a slew of questions I want to ask her, but if you have anything pressing that you'd like me to ask, please reach out and I'll try and get to it. Site measurements are an inevitable part of our jobs, but there are a lot of different ways to gather the information. I will take you through my process, although in thinking about this, I've realized that there are pieces I won't be able to show the way that I want without video, but I'll do my best. Therefore, I will also be offering a live webinar coming up with demonstrations of what we will be reviewing today in a lot more depth. If you aren't already signed up to receive updates by going to kismetdesignco.com, clicking on courses and selecting the button to receive updates, you'll get notified when that course goes live. Site measurements really start before you're on site. There's a lot of information that you can gather prior to grabbing your tape measures. I start by researching the county or city GIS maps, sometimes both, to gather aerial imagery and property information. Some of the property information that can be found through this is environmental critical area information, zoning, property boundaries, surveys, easements, even past permits. There's a lot of data available. Every jurisdiction's website is going to be a little bit different though. Next, for rural sites, I also go to the health district and grab a copy of their septic system as built. Sometimes if it's a really new system or a really old system, it's not available. If it's not, I will search GIS maps for previous aerial imagery to at least get a general idea of the drain field location based off of the green patches in the lawn. That is if you can see it through the trees. Now that I am armed with the initial property research, I can grab my measuring bag and head to the site. If you haven't listened to my episode about my process, this step is also my initial site consultation and not a separate site visit, typically. In my measuring kit, I have graph paper and a board. Well, those don't fit in the bag, but they're a critical part of the toolkit. Also not actually in the bag is my zip level. If you haven't used one, find someone who has one and try it out. You will love it. So actually in the bag, I have pens, pencils, extra lead for sure, both architectural and engineering scales. Most of my sites are fairly large, so I typically draw my measurements at one inch equals 10 foot scale. 
The reason I use this scale is not only because it scales nicely with my graph paper, but I print my presentation drawings at eighth of an inch equals a foot. And the one to 10 scale is very close to that, but gives me a little bit more wiggle room on the paper since my graph paper is a little smaller than my standard 24 by 36 sheet size. I also have in this bag a 30 foot tape measure, 100 foot and a 300 foot. If you work on small sites, there's no need to have a 300 foot tape. I use this one quite often though. I have both masking tape to tape my paper on my board as well as blue painters tape. I use the blue painters tape on the occasion that I want to mark something for measuring or for photo reference. If you don't have a zip level and use an eye level instead, this can also be helpful to mark the threshold level when turning a corner. One of the most useful tools beyond the basics that I have in my bag is screwdrivers. Because I am most often measuring by myself, I use screwdrivers to stake the end of my tape measure into the ground when I don't have a good place to hook it on. I have tied flagging tape around them as well so that I am less likely to leave them behind. I have some other random items, but that covers the most useful ones. Now to the actual measuring. Start with the front left corner. Why do you ask? If you measure left to right, you don't have to read the tape measure upside down. Mistaking a six for a nine and vice versa is easier to do than you would think, especially if you're moving fast. Your scale on your graph paper will also be oriented correctly this way as you're drafting. I'm telling you there's a reason for everything. The more refined the process, the more efficient you can be. Before I go too far, I want to elaborate that all of my site measurements are drawn to scale on site. I'm not just writing down the measurements on a rough sketch. I'm talking about drafting them in real time. It's rough, it's not pretty, but it's there, all accurate, and to scale. So to start, it's important, especially with larger properties, to ensure you start the drafting in the right spot to fit the property on paper. We can get into what to do if it's too big for your property later. To set your start point, get approximate distances from the front and side to mark the first corner. And then I go left to right, around the entire house, measuring all the walls, windows, doors, etc. Also helpful on occasion is to make note on the plans, the height of windows, especially for really low windows. So you don't forget about it and accidentally propose planting something large that's going to block the view out of the window. I also mark downspouts, outlets, vents, and utility meters. Outlets become especially handy when you need to locate irrigation timer or lighting controllers and downspouts, especially important to note if you're going to have any hardscape elements that go up to those areas so you know that they need to be worked around, or if you have downspouts that aren't tied into an existing system that you might want to note to be tied in to a new drainage system. The benefit to drawing the measurements to scale on paper, among many, while I'm there, if there is a discrepancy, I will know right away and I can fix it without having to go back on site. Once the house is complete, I work my way around the house measuring hardscapes, existing plant material, and property lines. Some of the hardscapes are easily noted when measuring the house and will already be completed. 
I will also note approximate locations of neighboring structures and views and windows if noteworthy. Typically, that's either a second-story deck or a really nosy neighbor or a neighbor's kitchen window that stares right into where the new patio will be, anything like that, as well as neighboring vegetation that may affect the design. If they've got a large tree that's going to cause shade or an overhanging drip line of a tree. All measurements for elements will be taken perpendicular and parallel to house walls. I only use triangulation for verification of tricky to measure spots or elements where I'm not easily able to get my tape measure aligned with the house. Once everything is measured and all existing elements, including plants, are noted, I will get out my zip level to take elevations. Again, if you don't have one, you need one. It is fantastic. To take elevations, I measure everything in relativity to the threshold. For multi-level homes, I will choose the threshold of the primary access to the landscape. From there, I get elevation measurements at each level, patios, walkways, corners of hardscape elements, property corners, any transition areas, and then I fill in with a rough grid pattern. Once the measurements are complete, I wrap up with photos. I have a system for that too, but it's probably a topic for another day. The key to photos is to take more than you think you need. Same for elevation grades too, really. Now, once I have gathered all of my site information, I can head back to the office. Because I measure everything to scale, I now have the opportunity to simply scan those measurements and drop them into land effects. And I, or another Kismet designer like Colleen, can simply scale the images and trace them into CAD. No interpretation necessary, other than maybe my chicken scratch trying to read plant names. That way, there's no figuring out or interpreting or trying to decipher illegible measurements. In CAD, we also drop in the aerial imagery and any zoning or survey information we gathered initially. And just like that, it's ready for concepts. I often get questions from fellow designers on using surveys from engineers or architects. When available, they are great, but beware, they are not always easy to follow might not be accurate, especially if they were part of a site development plan prior to construction efforts, and are often missing some key information. Most of the time, you're not going to get away without needing to measure at least a little bit. The missing pieces that I most often find are plants, windows, doors, especially if you want the height of a window, hose bibs, gonna need a path there, and views. No engineer is going to care where the view to the mountain is, or the no nosy neighbor's kitchen window. Usually when I get a survey, I will review it for content. And if it's very detailed, I will print it to take supplemental measurements on. If it's not very detailed, I will bring a copy of it with me for reference for what elements I may only need to double check measurements versus completely remeasure. The one point to stress here is never assume that it is 100% accurate. And your measurements won't be either. So what about the large sites that don't fit on one piece of paper? Again, hard to explain without some visuals, but once you reach the edge of your page, you can lift up the tape, fold the page so that the back of the paper serves as an extension. This probably makes no sense. You've got to see it. If you're still tracking with me though, be sure to mark where your fold line is. So when you scan it, you can line everything up right again. This is where a different color pen or pencil can come in handy. 
I will sometimes use this alternating color to note potential locations for design elements as well, like a fire pit or a shade tree. If I'm taking a lot of grades, but also have a lot of plant notations, another color can come in handy there too, to keep from having numbers and letters getting jumbled on the page. If you join me for the class on measurements, I'll show you what I mean. All right, go assess your site measurement bag. Be sure to get some screwdrivers to serve as a second set of hands. And if you're not already doing it, at least give it a try measuring to scale on graph paper. And be sure to reach out to me if there are any other added tricks or tools or questions that should be added to this process. To wrap up, I want to thank you for your time. I hope the ideas discussed today have left you feeling excited and energized. As I build both my business and my life, I value the support and feedback you provide. I would love for you to reach out to me to let me know what you think, give me ideas, or just to connect. Please don't forget to subscribe and also share with a friend. Until next time, go create something wonderful.